Welcome to the King's Church Warrington podcast. Inspirational teaching from our Sunday celebrations. Hope you're enjoying our worship this morning, worshipping God for this wonderful time of uh, remembering the great gift that he gave to us. So well done to everybody who's been involved this morning for all those who've taken part, for all those who's worked hard behind the scenes getting things working when things were struggling a little earlier. If I, I've sort of avoided social media for years and then earlier this year I got, I got an Instagram account and I thought I'd put one post on. I sort of promised myself I'd never put a picture of my dinner on there or anything like that. Um, I have been tempted sometimes. Um, but, so I put some things on there. And if you're following me on Instagram, you'll know that one of the things I, I really do like is finding signs that are quite, uh, can have a double meaning or be quirky or stuff like that. So I thought I'd maybe share some of these with you. So the first one, uh, this was when we were on holiday in Italy. As, little concerned about that one. I thought maybe if you're having a bad day, that might be the place for you. And then Abby and Manu are out church planting in Madrid. And so we were looking for somewhere to eat. I thought, yeah, that's probably not the place, not the place for me, that one. Then the next one, I just think that's perfect. <laughs> Love it. And then the next one. Did you? Ah, there you go. And the next one. <laughs> that's fantastic. I think that's somewhere out there. And that one. Oh, sorry. Yeah. This one. So that's a health awareness one. But what I love is the vandalism that happened next. <laughs> and then this one. No vacancies, which brings us to the Christmas story, doesn't it? Because as Dan was saying, there's no room, no space for Jesus and Mary and Joseph. And we're told, I loved the nativity this morning. I loved the sort of, just the feel of it. It feels like family, doesn't it? It feels not like a performance, but like something we're all in and the fun of it. And I really loved that. And some great costumes, some great fun. Um, and so we're going to just look a little bit around that story briefly this morning. It's not a very long talk, but I just want to zoom in on that making room, make room. Is there a vacancy? Is there room? In Luke chapter 2, verse 7, it says, And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. There was no guest room available for them. It's an interesting phrase. It literally means no guest room in the house. Um, Some translations translate it in, but the word in, the other times it's used in the New Testament, like in uh, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan when they took into an inn, is a different word. This is the only time that I'm aware of in the New Testament, that this word is translated in. It's usually translated house. There's no, there was no space for them in the house. It could have been an inn, <clears throat> but more likely, it was the family home. So we know that in that Middle Eastern ancient culture, 
hospitality was a high value and homes had built into them a special guest room and space for people's animals to stay too. Um, and so when you visited family, it was just, it was an honour to welcome a guest and to provide for their transport, their animals, to sort of be a stable facility of some sort in many homes and a spare room. And the room, the, the insula as it was called, is where the, the guests would stay. So there are two possibilities here, aren't there? One is that Murray and Joseph arrived in Bethlehem, the ancestral home of Joseph's family, where there was likely to be extended family already living, and no one was willing to make room for them. Maybe because Murray was found to be pregnant with Jesus before she was married to Joseph, and that would have been an outrage in their culture. So they went, maybe they went to an inn, and there was no room in the inn, because the census was being taken and so they end up in a stable, a cave with a wooden structure on the front. The other possibility is that Joseph and Mary went to the home of Joseph's extended family. And because it was the census, other family members were there too. And they arrive at the home and the guest room is already full. And so instead of whoever's in the guest room moving out so that this lady who's nine months pregnant can have somewhere to stay. They keep their room and make her and Joseph stay where the animals of the other guests would be. I mean, that's almost a bigger insult, isn't it? That your family won't make room for you even when you're about to give birth and put you with the animals. Either way, there was no room for Jesus. No one's willing to make room for Jesus. Here's the thing. They put Jesus in the manger, but they couldn't put the manger in Jesus. They put Jesus in the place of rejection, but Jesus would not live a life defined by rejection. He would not take on board the implication of whether it was the innkeeper, whether it was the family. He would not let that define him. They put Jesus in the manger, but they couldn't put the manger in Jesus. Because he knew where his security lay. And this Christmas time, life might have dealt you some very tough times. And you might be going through a horrible time at the moment. So you might have had a terrible year and you're looking forward to it being over. You don't need to be defined by that. They put Jesus in the manger, but they couldn't put the manger in Jesus. You might have been put in some terrible, awful, painful times, but they don't have to be the thing that defines you. There's a way through that the Jesus that we're celebrating this Christmas time can make for you. Life isn't always straightforward. We face some significant challenges. And if we're not careful, those pains and disappointment become the defining moments of our life. But the good news is this Christmas time, there's a way out. God invites us to make room for him. And if we make room for him and for his forgiveness, then a deep sense of security comes back into our lives. And we find faith, hope and love. So my simple question this morning is, or are, will you make room for Jesus? Is there space in your life for him? Or has he been moved to the edges, pushed to the side, 
an add-on for when it's convenient. You see, if we allow God to help us, he wants to release us into who we could really be. God doesn't want to cram you in. God doesn't want to restrict you. God wants to release you to be the person he's intending you to be. But the only way that that can happen is not by positioning him on the edge of your life to be visited now and then, but to make room in the center of your life so that he can bring security and transformation that lasts. We just had the nativity acted out, and I loved the fact that I got to be a shepherd. I sort of relate to the shepherds. I think they're great. Uh, I, I loved the costume of the wise men and the stars. I loved the camel, the donkeys, and, and all of them, just great costumes. Not many King Herods. Not many of you can. And nobody thought this one. You know what? I'm going, I'm going as Herod. That's who I'm going as. I'm going as the one who slaughters the innocents. That's the person I'm longing to be. Nobody came as Herod. And yet Herod was an important person in the Christmas story. He was known as the king of the Jews, according to Luke 1, chapter 5. And when Jesus was born, he goes to great lengths to retain his power. So when the wise men who came from Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan area, the Parthians as they were called, when they moved into the area and came to uh, Herod and said to him in Matthew's Gospel chapter 2 verse 2, where is the one born king of the Jews? This wasn't the wisest move of the wise men. Because Herod was very keen on being the king of the Jews and didn't want anybody else to take that position. He was known as Herod the Great. And he was the guy who ordered the killing of the babies up to age two around Bethlehem in an attempt to kill Jesus, to preserve his throne, to preserve his rule. He started his career as a successful warlord. You know, the Christmas story isn't a fairy tale. I hope you're seeing this this morning. This is grounded in history. And the reason I'm telling you some of these stories is to make that point. This isn't a fable or a fantasy. This happened around real time, in real places, with real people who you can read about historically. So Herod was a well-known warlord at the time when he first began his career. He uh, lived in the area and the Romans were gained power over Jerusalem. Their their famous general, Pompey, captured Jerusalem in 63 BC. And they allowed the ruling family at the time to stay in place as puppet governors, as they did in many other places. But then in 48 BC, uh, a riot broke out. War broke out. And a few years later, in 44 BC, Julius Caesar was assassinated. And so chaos ensued and there was a battle for Israel and the Parthians, which is where the wise men came from, moved into Israel to try to occupy the land and take it from the Romans. Herod, who wasn't King Herod then, was warlord Herod, fought against the Parthians and defeated them. He drove them out and then Octavius becomes Caesar and Herod goes to Rome tells him what he's done and is appointed king of the Jews. So those stories when Jesus says there was a man who went to another country to be appointed king and came. Everybody knew who he was talking about. Herod comes back as king of the Jews and he's very keen on staying as king of the Jews. 
Herod wanted to stay in charge, and so there was no room for Jesus. In fact, he went to all the lengths he could to obliterate Jesus. And sometimes when we want to be in charge, there's no room for Jesus. I want my life. I want my hobbies. I want my career. I want my priorities. I want my possessions. There's nothing wrong with hobbies, career, possessions, all those things. But when they're the first thing and not Jesus, they push into the edge and we are in effect saying, I'm the king, you're not the king. Is there room at the center of your life for Jesus to be Lord? Is there room? Because Herod would not make room. The temptation in our culture is to live for ourselves. But the Bible says, what does it profit a person if they gain gain the whole world and yet lose their soul? Will you make room for Jesus? Then the shepherds. You've got to love the shepherds. Tea towel bit of Christmas ribbon, your outfit's sorted out. Love it. Something of the outcast, living in the hills near Bethlehem, looking after the sheep. We read about shepherds in the Bible. They're people who would defend the flock against attack. They would take the flock to places of provision and rest. In extreme circumstances, they would lay down their lives for the flock. And Jesus himself describes himself as the good shepherd who lays down his life for the flock. (coughs) These were people who took their responsibility seriously. Where were they at night? They weren't tucked up in bed. They were out in the fields watching over the flock by night. They took this responsibility extremely seriously. And the angels appear to them and tell them that Jesus is born in nearby Bethlehem. They leave their flocks. That's significant. And they go to Jesus. They made room, they made room in their work life and in their busy schedule and in their responsibilities and in their sense of duty for Jesus. You see, they could have said something, couldn't they? Well, do you know what? We're looking after the sheep. And there is a theory that some of those sheep would have been actually lambs that were being prepared for sacrifice in nearby Jerusalem. So these were lambs, some of them potentially, that were being involved in the sacrificial system. This was an important job. This was a big responsibility. This was not taken lightly. This involved them living on the edge of society, out in the fields, not in bed, not resting like everybody else was asleep. They're out at work. And they leave that to go to be with Jesus. We all have responsibilities. We all have priorities. We all have things that are important in our lives. But if they're more important than Jesus, they're too important. He is the priority. The shepherds lay it down to go to him. Will we make room? Then the wise men, nearly done. The wise men, as I said, probably came from the region of Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, the Parthians that were at war with the Romans previously. They came from that region that had been in military conflict with Rome around the time that Herod comes to power. And their visit to Jerusalem and to Israel and to Bethlehem and to Nazareth would not have been without tension. Yet God includes them. 
God does not say you're from the wrong people group. God does not say you're from the wrong background. God does not say you're from the wrong ethnicity. He reaches out to people everywhere. All people. These were God-fearers who had some religious belief but didn't really know the Hebrew traditions. They were intelligent and learned people who'd have some standing and respect in their context and they made room for Jesus. We live in a time where it's okay to speculate about parallel universes, the existence of black holes and antimatter. We consider the possibilities of developing artificial intelligence and the possibilities of life on other planets. We believe in an expanding universe and the limitless existence of time and energy. But in some circles, it's considered ridiculous to believe in eternity, life after death, angels and demons, heaven and hell, and God. Will we make room in our intelligent thinking for the truth of the gospel? Because there's room. These were wise men who adopted a position and a posture of learners who journeyed towards Jesus. We're all learners. We're all, none of us are experts. We're all learners. We've all got to come back to that position of needing to know more, wanting to learn, wanting to grow, wanting to develop. And as they journey and as they make room... In their thinking, they explore the possibility that Jesus and his claims are true and they meet him. The wise man had an open enough mind, as wise people do, to make room for Jesus and they were not disappointed. So I'm drawing to a conclusion. Isaac Watts in his carol, Joy to the World, said, Let every heart prepare him room. Let every heart Prepare him room. Are you making room for Jesus? Not only at Christmas. In life. At work. In family. In your thinking. In your choices. In life. Christmas can be so busy. It's full of shopping and cooking and visiting and wrapping and eating and drinking. And also feeling a sense of loss and sadness for people who are no longer with us. And decorating our houses and decorating our gardens. And so much good and appropriate things are filled with it. They're they're nice things. But don't allow it to become so full that there's no room for Jesus. That it's as if he comes and you say, well, you know, the guest room's full. There's no space. Well, there's no space in my life, Jesus. It's too full with other things. There's no room for you, for your people, for your purposes. Full, no vacancies. Find somewhere else. Life can get cluttered with good things, bad things, and neutral things. Responsibilities, family commitments, being taxi service for the kids, career, hobby, sport, leisure, social media, screen time, disappointments, fears. And it can be so full that suddenly... You didn't mean to crowd Jesus out. You just find that I've, I've just filled everything and there's no room. When someone's coming to stay, you prepare the guest room. Prepare him room. At that first Christmas time, they put him in a manger 
but he wouldn't stay there. The baby Jesus grew up, and at that first Easter, they put him in a tomb, and he wouldn't stay there. He burst out, risen from the dead. And we can intentionally or accidentally compartmentalize our lives and push Jesus to the edge and don't create space, but he's alive and he'll push through that and he'll cause you to come to points again and again where he'll invite you. He'll never force you, but he'll invite you to make room. One day our loving saviour will return as our just judge. Imagine the busyness of Christmas. Imagine in the busyness of Christmas you forgot to buy the person you love the most a gift. Have you all got your Christmas presents sorted? Got my last one yesterday thanks to Amazon. Thank you Lord for Amazon. But imagine the embarrassment if you forgot. When we were first married we spent our first Christmas at Jackie's mum and dad's house. We'd gone through the whole day We'd, we'd done the dinner, we'd done all the stuff, and we'd gone to bed. And at half eleven at night, we got a knock on our bedroom door, and they said to us, would you mind coming out? We've just realised we forgot to give you your presents. And they'd forgotten to give us our presents, and they gave us a beautiful painting that they bought for us, but they'd forgotten. In all the busyness of the day, they'd forgotten. Because we're so polite, we didn't really say Did you like your presents? <laughs> Please make room in your life for the gift of forgiveness, <clears throat> for the fulfilling life that you can't earn and we don't deserve that Christmas offers. Final scripture, then I'm going to pray. Jesus says in John chapter 14 verse 1 he says don't let your hearts be troubled believe in me believe in God believe also in me in my father's house there's many rooms I'm going there to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I'll come back and take you to be with me that you might be where I am and the disciples said Lord and he said you know the way to the place where I'm going and they said we don't know the way to the place where you're going so how can we come with you and Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Did you catch that? I'm going to prepare a place for you. No one prepared a place for him. But he's going to prepare a place for you. When I was praying this morning, that wasn't in my talk. But when I was praying this morning, that just dropped into my thinking as I was praying earlier this morning. And I think that's for someone today. Jesus is reminding you, he is preparing a place for you. You're on his mind. He sees you. He sees what you're going through and he's making a space for you. You're not forgotten. You're not left out. You're not on the fringe. You're welcome in his house. There's a room for you. The question is, will you make room for him? Because how embarrassing it would be to stand before him on that day and to say, wow, you prepared a place for me, but I didn't, I didn't prepare a place for you. 
Let every heart prepare in room. Let's pray together. I would normally at this point read this prayer and ask you then in a minute to put your hand up if you want to respond. But again, this morning during the worship, I felt I shouldn't ask you to put your hand up. I shouldn't ask you to stand up. I shouldn't ask you to come to the front. I should just ask you in your heart, and you know, you don't need to tell me, in your heart, will you prepare in room? And so I'm not going to ask you to bow your head. I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up, stand up, or do anything like that. I'm just going to ask you to listen. And if you really want to say this to Jesus, and there's no catch coming at the end of this, okay? If you really want to say this to Jesus, then when I say amen, you say amen. You don't even need to say it out loud. Just say it in your own thoughts. And the only thing I would ask after that is this. If you did, then at some point today, tell someone that you did. Tell someone. You could text them, you could tell the person you came with, but just tell someone that you did this. Here's the prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything which I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer to me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Or please help me to re-engage with you so that I can follow you again closely. And be with you forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I hope you have a fantastic Christmas. I hope you and your family are blessed. And I hope that you don't put yourself under pressure for it to be perfect. But in the fun, in the mess, in the joy, in the disorganization and chaos, that you have a fantastic time. King's Church Warrington would like to wish all our podcast followers near and far a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. As an added bonus for this, our final podcast of 2019, we have this stunning version of Mary Did You Know, sung by Grace Taylor at the King's Church Carol Service 2019. Merry Christmas. Soon deliver
your baby boy would give sight to a blind man. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would carve the song with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy spoke to angels you enjoyed this message to find out more about king's church warrington visit our website or find us on facebook and instagram